Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. So good to have you here with us today for another great episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. My guest today is back by popular demand for his second appearance on the show, which uh, I'm thrilled about. Uh, today, we're going to be joined by Mr. Ty Bennett, who is a fantastic entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, husband, father, all around, just great human being. We're going to cover a whole bunch of different stuff in this conversation, including the benefits he's discovered for his speaking business throughout the whole pandemic. Also, some interesting things that he's been noticing about how to use technology to get his virtual audiences to lean in and interact, and also how he sees the next 12 to 18 months playing out for speakers. Also, uh, if you're a new speaker or someone who's wondering if now might be a good time to jump into a speaking career, make sure you stick around to the end because Ty's going to give you some really great advice and encouragement for those who are in the early stages of the game. You really don't want to miss out on that part. Got a lot of great feedback from uh, last time that Ty was on the podcast. I'm sure it will be the case this episode as well. Let's get right into it, my friends. Here's my conversation with Ty Bennett. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with Ty Bennett, talking about uh, kind of what 2020 looked like and then uh, his magic crystal ball for predictions of uh, 2021. So, uh, Ty, we had you on back way back in episode 162. I'd encourage people to go check that out. I know you and I have talked uh, a good amount even through uh, 2020 and the pandemic and all that was happening. I was trying to remember, you came to town for a gig a couple years, a couple, was it a couple years ago that we met up? Yeah, um, it's all blurry now, but uh, I know I hit Nashville once in the early part of 2020 before things shut down. Yeah, Nashville's become one of those cities that, you know, I hit a few times a, a year. It's just a hot convention city and yeah, now yeah. we don't have hot convention cities. So, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll we'll get back to it. I miss Nashville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good place to be. Come visit us when uh, things uh, reopen. But yeah, so I let's talk. Uh, I need some barbecue or something. That's all right. That's right. We did have some good barbecue. Uh, so let's talk about this. We're we're recording this kind of mid uh, January toward the beginning of uh, 2021 here. Uh, let's go back for a second again. Like I said, I know we've texted a little bit uh, throughout 2020, but kind of talk us through like what what was the year like for you? You know, when things started to, to happen back in the spring, March, April, uh, and then as the year ended did kind of give us a, a big picture from your perspective. You're someone who does a lot of gigs. Uh, you do around, a, if last I remember, it was around hundred gigs a year. Is that still accurate? It was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, 2020 was a very different, I mean, different than any year, obviously we've all, we've all experienced. Um, I was going gangbusters up until March. Uh, you know, I'm, I think I did 30 something speeches, January, February, early March. Um, That's crazy. Almost that. And and we had a lot on the books. And then I remember literally the day that kind of the world shut down, you know, the, the NBA shut down first yep. and then others. March 11th, I think it was that Wednesday. Yeah. So on March 11th, I had 
a pre-call with a group I was supposed to speak to April 1st or 2nd, like in a few weeks. And I remember the, the meeting planner on the phone saying, we're not going to stop our conference for some stupid flu. <laughs> like that's what she said. <laughs> and then the MBA shut down. I was like, that's not happening. Uh, shut it down for a flu. Yeah, that's, that's gonna, they're going to shut down. So it was weird at first. I think we all kind of didn't know what to expect. I mean, it felt like the sky was falling. Yeah. Um, you know, my uh, you've, you've had Karen Harris here mm-hmm. on the yep. call, actually uh, the podcast recently. Um, she is my agent and uh, her agency is awesome. I've been with them for almost eight years and um you know, we, one thing that was helpful to me through all of this is that I had the perspective of the 10 speaker very closely, the 10 speakers they represent. So we could interact. We actually did monthly like mastermind calls and said, okay, what's working, what are we seeing, what's not working. And, you know, and just kind of trying to navigate it. Um, Pretty quickly, we realized that uh, people wanted to do some events virtually. And so I have a video guy here in Utah that works for me and we built a, a studio and, um, put things together so that I could provide a, a great virtual product. Um, so we've got multiple cameras and a flip chart and interlaid slides and just all those kinds of things. And, you know, I have somebody to help me with that. So we, we saw a lot of like, let's postpone, let's cancel, let's change, let's move to the fall. And then once fall came, let's move to the spring and let's move, you know? And so I actually was going through my calendar and just shockingly had forgotten how many events I have in the fall of 2021 that were postponements from, you know, 2020. Right. So, um, so we started doing a lot of virtual events. I mean, my year was obviously a lot slower than it had been. Um, I, uh, you know, as, as the year wrapped up, I, I kind of looked at it like, okay, we made it through. <laughs> um, uh, but we're starting to see some momentum moving towards both virtual events and live events, you know, for 2021. Um, I actually have a live event uh, on Wednesday this week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, early January, I had another live event later in January that just postponed because um, of some you know, things the company had to deal with. And uh, so, you know, I, I still think we're not out of the woods yet, but I, I think right. we're, I, I see that we're moving in a positive direction. Yeah. So uh, virtual was obviously a, a big part of, of 2020. Uh, yeah. I'm, I think a lot of people have had that sense of, of being tired and, and that Zoom fatigue sort of thing. Uh, it's not the same you hear from so many speakers, but there's certainly upsides to it. You know, you can do a lot of gigs without ever having to leave home. I know you and I are both big family guys. Uh, you've got a new one that was born recently. And so being able to be around the family is certainly a good side, good, good side of it. But uh, obviously, as speakers, we, we want to be with people. So do you feel like uh, uh, Zoom and, and virtual gigs are going are here to say, are they uh, just kind of a stopgap of like everyone's just kind of tolerating them until in-person comes back more and more? How do you see it, virtual fitting in uh, to your business for the foreseeable future? I think it'll be part of it yeah. forever moving forward as I see. And as technology advances, I think it'll just become more and more. Um, I, I don't think it, it replaces in-person meetings. And I think that companies who have budgets and large group gatherings, associations, et cetera, are kind of dying to get back together. 
mm-hmm. and uh, would love to soon. And so I think we're going to see that starting in 2021. Um, I, I, I don't think it will. I think it's going to take a while to get back to kind of the clip we were at, right? Um, all of the the surveys and research and everything that I'm reading uh, doesn't show that it's just going to come back the same way that it was pre-pandemic. But uh, I do think it's going to be a hybrid for me moving forward, which I kind of like. Um, I truly, truly miss being in front of people and with people. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I'm an extrovert through and through, and I love being on stage, you know, at, in the work that I do. Um, but I also love that I, you know, next Tuesday, I will go to our virtual studio, which is five minutes from my house. And I have three speeches in a row for groups all over the world. Yeah. And I can be home in three hours, you know, yeah. like that's not possible otherwise. Um, and so, I think it's going to be a mix and there's been some benefits to some things from the virtual standpoint. Um, I think I shared this with you, but uh, I launched a new keynote uh, through this whole process and we launched it virtually, which actually gave, made it a really interesting and easier way to launch this keynote. Um, So I have two boys who are nationally ranked Ninja Warriors. Uh, They live for it. They're, and they're amazing. They are legit. Your backyard, like people need to to follow you online uh, because you, uh, I assume at one point you had grass back there from what I could tell. I don't know if there's any grass. It's pure ninja obstacles everywhere you can imagine. Yeah. The grass is gone. Um, Yeah. Our basement backyard. And actually, you know, the big structure probably would have never happened if, if COVID hadn't happened, yeah. you know, as far as the ninja gym in our backyard, but, um, cause I had some time on my hands. So we <laughs> built a ninja gym, but, um, like, like you do. Yeah. So I I've been coaching my boys through this process and ninja, it's just super fun to watch, but yeah. like, there are so many performance mental lessons out of it that I was like, this would be an awesome keynote. So I started in, late 19, early 2020, designing what would be a keynote on stage, which I still plan on doing, but literally building a ninja structure on stage, having the boys be part of it, using that as a metaphor. And we had a couple of groups lined up that I've done work for before that trusted me enough to say, okay, just come do it. Like, you know, it sounds great. We've seen your boys do stuff online. We know you're good. So, all right, we'll give it a shot. Right. Cause I don't have video of this speech. Um, and so when everything shut down, I was at first, I was like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna have to wait for a while for that. But then I started thinking about, it, I was like, I could do this easier virtually, mm-hmm. right. I could go into a ninja gym and do this where I'm talking direct to camera and the boys have every obstacle there. And and so we did, and it was a hit. I mean, virtually, it is so entertaining. It's awesome, yeah. right? Because um, you get to mix that in, and and just the dynamic of like me including the boys. And there's parts that like they're talking and answering questions and talking about their mindset, and then you're showing them doing uh, some of that. And so, are you, are you done, real quick? Are you doing that live, or is that pre-recorded? Uh, we've done it both ways. Okay. Um, and we've also done it where I'm actually doing it tonight where I've taken video of them doing it and inner spliced it into slides. So it's just me in the studio. And then I'm going to say, you know, we're using this as a metaphor. So let's jump into the Ninja gym and boom, show the video of that part of it. Right. 
So we've done it a couple of ways, but I couldn't have ever done that as easily without the virtual component. Um, and so uh, we've done that, you know, dozens of times through the last, you know, dozen plus times through the last year. And it's been a fun addition from a keynote perspective. And, and so, you know, I, I think there's been some benefits to the virtual platform that have opened up my eyes to new opportunities. Uh, but I, I think we'll see live events come back and uh, kind of have a hybrid, at least for my taste and what I plan on doing with my business. I think we'll see a little bit of a hybrid of both moving forward. What did you see in terms of speaking fees whenever it came to virtual uh, past year? And then I know you're laughing a little bit, but uh, and then even going forward, because I think for the long, longest time, it's kind of felt like the wild, wild west. And, and you'd have people on both ends of the spectrum of people saying, you know, my content's my content, you know, regardless of where I present it. And other people saying like, yeah, but it's not the same. And so uh, lots of different philosophies on it. How, how are you kind of seeing it? Uh, uh, not only where it's been, but also kind of what do you see it where the dust is going to settle going forward? Yeah, I think the term wild, wild west is and one I've used before. That's what it's felt like, right? Yeah. Um, and I think for several reasons. One, uh, some people weren't given the same budget, you know, for a virtual event. Uh, and then other people were, and they had excess budget because they don't have to pay for all the other components of it. And so I've had stuff that people came with very little fee and stuff that people paid me full what my full fee would be. It's been kind of all over the map. Yeah. Um, I think that settling in now, what I'm seeing uh, moving forward is that if people are going to put on an event, they're making a conscious choice of this, we're going virtual. And so they typically do have some type of budget. It's not as minimal as some of the, you know, we, we're just trying to provide something for our people that right. they need some touch point. And so here's all we got. Um, so I do think that there's some, positive movement in that regard. But uh, I, I also don't think it's, it's going to add up. I don't think it's viewed the same way, right? I mean, if yeah. you're being there live, which is interesting, because for me to do it in the way that I do it, I provide my own AV crew, you know, like it's almost I, harder to do it virtually. It, it really is. There's, there's a lot of production value to it. And, and work where, you know, I mean, before I just show up and the AV team was on it, and like guys here's how i what i need and they're like great and so right. uh you know I, I i think we're making it work i for me um i've been you know we've negotiated fees you know in the virtual space and figured out what works for different groups and uh i think we will moving forward but i think we're seeing a little bit of an uptick of people valuing it because now they're choosing it you know if that's the way they choose to go it seemed like early on in the the pandemic that everyone was was rapidly pivoting to virtual because there were just no other options. So it was a lot of kind of scrambling, throwing something together. Are you available in next week or in a couple of weeks? Are you available tomorrow type stuff? Are you seeing now that there is a little more thought or intentionality going into event planners who are putting on something in virtual that it's not this scramble, you know, can we throw something together next week? Um, but it's, hey, there's there's more to it of putting on something virtual. Uh, what are you kind of seeing as far as uh, on that side of things? Yes and no. I mean, yeah, I do think uh, some of the bigger organizations, I think they're they're planning and, you know, putting together something. But I mean, you know, we had groups like, very household names that you would recognize of companies that, you know, just recently were like, are you available next Friday? Yeah. You know, like, uh, and, and even in that had pretty big production value that they yeah. were putting into it. Um, 
So I, I still see it similar to the way that we see lots of events that the average lead time for me has always been like three months. Mm -hmm. But in that, there's some people who are a year out and there's some people that are a week out. Yeah. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps to help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. Yeah. Uh, whenever it comes to virtual, uh, at this point, you've done, I assume, dozens and dozens of, of virtual gigs. You start to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. Obviously, it's not the same of having the energy in the room, being able to read reactions and make adjustments on the fly. Is there anything that you, you have found that's worked for you just in terms of engagement with an audience, just to kind of keep a, uh, a hand on the pulse of how things are going and being able to make some of those adjustments? Yeah, we, uh, so in the virtual studio, uh, we've, it's changed as we've gone along to figure out what works and what version 2.0 and 3.0. Yeah, exactly. Right. And now right in front of me under camera one. So camera two is kind of a different angle and I kind of move over and use a flip chart, but under camera one, I've got a pretty big screen and we have figured out like if I throw something out for, you know, respond in chat, my AV guy can blow it up bigger and he'll highlight different things that I need to see so that I can react in real time um, to that. So, uh, you know, the problem, I don't know if it's a problem, but one hard part is typically the groups I'm speaking to are larger. And so once you get on zoom, I mean, there's no, you can't open it up. You can't, you know, have an open forum, that kind of thing. And, and you don't know how to call on people individually. And so chat becomes that functionality. And so I I feel like I've gotten better at finding those touch points of what people are going to get responsive to, and you're going to get engagement interaction in the chat, you know, so um, things like, uh, for example, in the Ninja keynote that I do, we talk about failure and, um, I share an idea from Sarah Blakely, uh, the founder of Spanx, that mm-hmm. she, her dad would ask the question every day of how did you fail today? So like I put that out there in the chat and ask people to be vulnerable and people are sharing like stories of like, oh. okay, I, and it va- ranges from like, I didn't wake up on time to I missed my workout to like really vulnerable stuff. Right. And so just finding some of those things that people can open up with and also just like in any speech, I feel like I learned in front of a live audience how to warm them up and get them to the point of being willing to fully engage. And the same thing happens virtually, right? So it's just a simple touch point. So like in the Ninja keynote, I start with a very bold statement and say, I want you to write agree or disagree in the comments. Like do you, and the, and the reason for that is to get them warmed up to the idea of I'm going to be engaged during this, yeah. um, but in a simple way, right? It's not like you're going to type something out. You're not sharing anything really 
you know, intimate, it's just simple idea. Yeah, I like that. No, I don't. Right. And then we start to build on that just the same way that I would start a speech by saying, how many of you, and just, just a raise of hand. And then we're going to get a little bit more interaction. Then I might grab somebody individually and get them to open up. And then, you know, it's, I think there's the same type of mental approach to how you create engagement, but it's just different in terms of the practicality of it. Yeah. And like you said, as, as speakers, we're so used to a lot of the nonverbal, raise your hand, nod, you know, uh, call, call and response type stuff, just like simple little things that you, you just don't get all of a sudden. And I know, uh, yeah, I know I talked with so many speakers and, and I felt this myself of you go, whenever you go speak, you can tell within the first 30, 60 seconds, how the rest of the talk is going to go. You know, if yeah. I tell this one joke and this doesn't work, or if I deliver this line and I don't get any response and I'm already thinking through like, okay, in 15 minutes, if this didn't land, there's no way that's going to land up there. Yeah. And you're making those adjustments. So do you feel like chat has kind of filled the void for some of those nonverbal assessments as, uh, of how things are going as, as best as can be? I, th- I think it has to be about the only thing that can fill the void, but I don't feel like it feel- fills it, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, uh, I feel like a virtual speaker has to have a stronger sense of confidence and delusion because you <laughs> honestly don't know. So you just have to assume you're doing great. Like unless something <laughs> pops up that says this is not working, you know, we can't hear you or something. Um, you just don't have that feedback. And so, I mean, even like, the half jokes you crack, you just kind of have to smile. Like that's probably funny. You know, like, I don't know how to react to that. Um, and you know, hopefully on the other end, somebody's even listening it. So, uh, but we, one of the things that's been kind of fun, I mean, the chat is interesting because you get to see the level of engagement and participation in that. And several groups who've had me pre-record have had me share it and then be live via chat. Right. So I'm interacting with them as it's going. And yeah. it's kind of weird to like sit and watch your speech and watch reaction as it's happening, but it's kind of cool. Like if I could do that live right. would be incredible. Obviously like I mean, this out of body experience almost. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's been, I don't know, I I'm trying to enjoy what it is and make the most of it and say, okay, how do we take this to another level as far as engagement? Because I, you know, if we're going to do virtual, I want people to come away thinking that was awesome. I was glued to my screen. Right. And, and so that's been the goal and just a lot of experimentation in that process. It sounds like for, uh, that you've got, you've got quite the studio set up. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I, I've seen uh, several other speakers and they've got, you know, multiple cameras. And like you said, you, you know, you get a flip chart and you've got multiple screens that you can be viewing and kind of monitoring things. You've got an AV person helping you there. There's a lot of moving pieces there. And for some speakers that may make sense for a lot of speakers, especially early on who are doing virtual gigs, it may be nothing more than, you know, a, a, a webcam and a, um, uh, some, sure. some overhead lighting, uh, do you feel like, like how much does the production value matter? How much does it make an impact? How much should speakers be thinking about that or considering investing in it, especially if they want to make virtual a, a bigger part of their business going forward? That's a good question. I don't know that I know the answer to it. We sell it like it really matters, but it, in the end, I don't know that that's why anybody hires me, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're hiring me for my expertise. They've either used me before or they like specific content. They're looking for this message. Right. And 
it almost feels like when I explain that this is how we do it, they're like, wow, that's, you're, that's impressive. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's just an icing on the cake. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that it's, it's needed, but at the same time, I could argue back that when you're dealing with and trying to get some bigger fees in a virtual space, that the higher production value you have, the more professional it comes across. I mean, even just the fact that I'm saying, you know what, the great part is I have an AV crew here on, on hand, you know, we'll make sure that there's no hiccups that, you know, I'm mic'd. I, you know, we've got, we can fix any mistake that happens right away. I've got somebody here um, doing that. Just those types of things give some reassurance and helps them to see me at a different level. And so I think that helps. Yeah. So like we touched on earlier, we're recording this toward the beginning of, of 2021. Uh, before we started recording, you you mentioned that things are, you're starting to see some level of, of uptick. Uh, and I assume that's going to be on the in-person side. So what's kind of your sense right now? Are What's that uptick starting to look like? Are you starting to book more and more in-person? Are they smaller? Are there uh, geographically, are there certain places where they're happening more so than others? What's kind of your sense right now of the the, the, the first couple quarters going into 2021 here? Yeah, it seems like there's a couple of states that, you know, are a little bit more open and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Florida, Texas, um, even Utah, where I live, I think that there's a little bit more movement towards some live events, um, still socially distanced. And because of that, either smaller or hybrid or, you know, uh, they're figuring out what that looks like um, from that standpoint. I think the first one I have booked in Vegas is in March and that one comes with the clause that says if we decide to go virtual, you know, this is the fee for the virtual versus the in-person fee. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, most of them have kind of a virtual clause of like, we're going to do this event, but we don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet. We're moving yeah. in that direction. Um, once you get, I don't know, once you get past April, it seems like people are moving forward with a, a at least obviously the, the people who are booking me are moving forward with, you know, we're going to do our event, you know, we're planning on this being feasible and, and, you know, we want to get our team together. We want to get our people together. Um, and then into the summer and fall, same kind of thing. So, uh, but same time we're booking some virtual events in those, at this, in that process too. Um, you know, some of them that have postponed, multiple times have just decided, you know, we're just going to do it virtually at this point. Um, We're sick of postponing. We're sick of, you know, hoping it's going to be this and then not being this, let's just do it. Uh, So that's why I think, you know, it's here to stay. I guess I get more excited when I see the live events, you know, pop up on the calendar. Um, But uh, we are booking virtual at the same time in some of those same months, you know, into second, third quarter and stuff too. Yeah, it feels like whenever we went back to you know March, April, May, you know the the predictions were all over the map as far as like ah this will be gone next week or this is going to last for a couple months or this is going to last you know a couple years and like nobody knew and and still obviously nobody knows but it certainly feels like we've seen the bottom we're on the way out uh, the vaccine is being distributed which seems to be an indicator for a lot of people as far as, as comfort level and getting together in, in groups and so yeah hopefully we're we're going to be there sooner rather than later but you know obviously no one knows so I'm, well, I'm, and you're I'm, also seeing some groups like Marriott hotels announcing that they are willing to provide covid testing you know same day testing for business conferences that are taking place at their hotels right well, so uh, you have the venues and I mean the the event business that's saying, okay, 
how do we make this move, right? How do we take this forward? And so all of those things I think are very positive for us. I don't think that it's a quick fix for sure, but I think it's, uh, it's a positive step in the right direction. Are there based on everything that that has happened? Is there any type of shifts that you're thinking about in uh, your business going forward? Had I known what I know now, here's what I would do differently going forward or what I'm planning on doing differently. Anything that you're planning on changing? Um, so I, for years have toyed with the idea of kind of doing some of my own stuff. I, I do keynotes for companies, right? That's been yeah. my bread and butter. Um, I, people have asked me, do you do any kind of like group workshops or your own kind of event or mastermind, that kind of thing. And, um, I, and so I actually am launching uh, a virtual masterclass in part because, we've built this virtual space and figured out how to use it and understand how to connect better. And I, that's something I didn't know before. And so I am going to uh, launch some new initiatives, particularly using some of the virtual setup that we have that will be driven by me as opposed to company driven, you know, by people who are hiring me. Um, Although, you know, hopefully that leads to them looking at that as an option of something, you know, a deeper dive kind of virtual option I could offer. Um, So yeah, I'm going to do some of that. um, And, uh, but, you know, still continue to speak the way that I have been. Do you think that that's the case for most speakers right now that a a big um, aha or a big eye-opening experience was just the, I was doing primarily, if not all in person on stage speaking literally overnight, more or less that that goes away. I got to diversify more. I got to do other, I got to create some other forms of uh, revenue, other streams of revenue. Do you find that that was a wake up call for most speakers? And they're trying to say, okay, I have this good content. Speaking is just a way to do it. It's not necessarily the only way. There's a lot of other things that I could do. How are you, what's kind of your sense of just talking with other speakers of, of how they have thought about shifts or pivots that they would make in their own business going forward? For sure. I think a lot have, um, many of which have you know, are in a position that they need to find other revenue quickly. Uh, And whether that's of their own creation or they need to go and, you know, uh, get another source of of income outside of speaking their content for the time being or whatever. Um, But yeah, I think people have, everybody's kind of found their own shift in that. Um, And more and more, a lot of keynoters that I've spoken to have found, uh, money or opportunity in deeper training than they were previously doing, um, myself included, some, uh, some, you know, deeper dive ongoing training for different companies and stuff too. So, yeah, I think that this world has created both, uh, you know, I mean, it's created innovation for sure um, and forced innovation, right, which is sometimes what we need. Uh, because the reality is the only reason I never did a, a master class or something like that is because I was so busy and happy with what I was doing. You yeah, know, you didn't have to, um, I was content. I didn't need to. And, and so, yeah, I, I think most people are seeing the need to change some things up. Um, but I also know a lot of the keynoters that just are like, that's what they love. And they're just dying for that to come back. Um, yeah. myself included. And, uh, so, you know, hopefully we, in the new world we find ourselves in soon that we can find a little bit of both. 
Yeah. Any advice that you would give to, especially newer speakers right now, there's obviously a lot of speakers we work with who are at the early stages of their career. And you and I were there years ago and know what it's like to get going and have this dream and have the potential, but just need, you know, need to know how uh, the the steps that you need to take. And obviously we're in a a weird time right now. And again, hopefully we're we're coming out the other side of this right now, but it can be, you know, discouraging or overwhelming uh, for speakers. But at the same time, I think it gives a lot of uh, potential opportunities for newer speakers. So what advice would you give to speakers who are at the early stages of their career who are trying to just grind it out through all of this and maybe even be asking like, is it, is this worth it, you know, to, to keep going? One, um, I love the speaking world, like love, love, love it. it you know, when this hit, I had conversations with lots of people like, what are you going to do? And like, I have no intention of doing anything else for me personally. I think it's incredible. I think it's the coolest job in the world. Uh, and if that is a passion you have, then yes, I, I think it's very worth it. Does it make it easy? No. Um, I think that coming into it, if you're early in it now, I do think you need to understand that the world that we're going to exist in is going to require content expertise delivered in multiple ways, which means that you need to become proficient in presenting both in person and virtually. I think virtual is here to stay. And I think it should be an offering that you have um, and figure out how to do that in the best way possible and make it something that companies, uh, you know, will pay for. Um, so yeah, I, you know, years ago, I would have never said, okay, you need to figure out how to present in zoom, but literally I have now being hired by companies to train some of their top executives and sales teams on how to present on zoom, uh, you know, and, and some of the nuances of, virtual presenting and things that they just hadn't thought about. And I mean, literally just like two weeks ago, I'm on with 12 executives from a company and I'm said, okay, I'm going to be very straightforward and call them out by name. Like you need to just buy a ring light. I'm going to put the link in, (laughs) in the chat right now, click on it on Amazon and hit buy now. Like just, Cause I can't even see you. Like you have no backlighting, just simple things like some of those things like that. Right. And they're not going to have a studio. They're doing it from home or whatever, but they're presenting to come like vendors that, you know, are paying right. millions of dollars. And they're like, you're like, I can't even see you. You're dark. <laughs> can't understand uh, you. Your internet is bad. Yeah. All the yeah, little things, just, just little basic things. Right. So I do think we need to recognize that, we're presenting in lots of ways now and we need to become very efficient at doing it in all of those ways. Yeah. Very well said. Ty, always good to chat with you, man. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, where can we go? Uh, Tybennett.com. You can find me at Ty Bennett on any social media. Pretty easy to find. And again, I'd encourage people to go uh, stalk you on uh, social media just to check out your boys. They are, uh, they're, they're legit. Uh, our family enjoys watching Ninja Warrior stuff and it, uh, your boys make it look easy. So we're uh, not as young and as, as uh, flexible as they seem to be. So uh, con- congrats on that. You're doing well, Dad. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. 
We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.